0: Hey there. Will Christians live through the tribulation? Also, at what age do we have our kids baptized? Great question on Ask this week, so stay tuned. Welcome once again to uh, our edition of Ask here at Cornerstone Church. I'm Pastor Jamie, where you ask questions. You just go to cornerstonebv.org and you can click on the media page, drop down, hit Ask, put in your question. You got it. Take it from there. We need your questions. Have some good ones in the bank, but not a ton. So, ask a question and you'll get, you know, Bible Life or something else. And we'll answer it in, you know, upcoming weeks. So, uh, today, uh, somebody asked specifically about the Tribulation. It said this, Will Christians live through the Tribulation? I would be excited to hear another End Time Prophecy conversation. By the way, why am I wearing my coat? It's kind of chilly in here. Plus, I like it. So, don't, don't ask questions that you don't want answers to. Um, Alright, I'm confused. What do we, oh. End times prophecy, yeah, always a great conversation. Um, so essentially, you're you're um, also why do we always film ask? This is for Steve. When I need, I'm getting my hair cut in the same day. Why do we do that? It just always works out that way. Okay, that's not why you came. So um, you're essentially asking um, if I think we're uh, adhere to a post tribulation. Uh, view of the rapture, right? So here's three things that all Christians, dispen- depending on, you know, doesn't really matter what view of the rapture you take, agree on. First, there will be a tribulation, a great tribulation like the world has never seen before. The Bible promises this. Two, there will be a rapture. Christ will come and gather his people. This is clearly scriptural. And three, Christ will establish his kingdom on earth. Okay, the, the debate comes um, with when, you know, when that all takes place. So some believe that we will live through the Great Tribulation, which is described in the Bible as seven years, um, and then the rapture takes place, Christ gathers his people, establishes his kingdom. That would be post-trib. There are a lot fewer nowadays that believe in what's, what's called a mid-trib. So that would be at, at a half point. We live through half of it and then we're gathered. Uh, by Christ and we don't live through the second half. But uh, there's also a much larger contingent of people that believe in a pre-trib rapture. That would say that there is two essential coming, essentially there's two comings of Christ, right? He comes uh, before the tribulation, gathers his people, right? takes us away, we're not there, and then the tribulation takes place, and then he comes back with his people, conquers, establishes his kingdom, right? Um, I think that since the question asked specifically about the post-trib, so we live through the tribulation, uh, the, the strengths of that are this really, throughout church history, um, from the very early days was the prevailing theory until about the 1800s. So pre-trib rapture is quite new uh, when you think of church history. Not that that necessarily means everything, but it, it certainly holds sway. Um, also, there are no verses that say there's two comings of Christ, right? There, there's no, it just calls, calls talks about a Christ coming. And it doesn't differentiate the two anywhere in scripture. So that doesn't mean, it doesn't say there isn't either, but that you would think that that would have been a little bit more detailed for us, but maybe not. Um, Also, Jesus does say, when he's talking about the end, Matthew, the book of Matthew, he will return after a great tribulation. So that could be talking about the second time he returns or the second rapture or whatever you wanna call it. Or a post-trib person would say, if Jesus promises he's coming back after, we're going to live, live through it. Right? But there are some weaknesses that would support a pre-trib. Of course, that's why so many Christians are on both sides and they're not necessarily bad uh, because the Bible doesn't really cement it for us. But the weaknesses of the post-trib are it's in, it's in, in a few different places, several places really, it says the believer will never suffer from God's wrath. And they would look at tribulation, the, the period of tribulation, as kind of walking through God's wrath. It really depends on how you define that. God's final wrath, hell, judgment—sure, no believer is. Every believer is going to be saved from that. So, uh, does that mean they? could also live through a tribulation? I would say they probably could because we already have. There have been already tribulations, not the great tribulation yet, but there have been other tribulations throughout the church history that believers have walked through. Many martyred, many driven from their homes because of it, uh, and and did experience that, and yet are still saved. So I think it's possible they could still live through the great tribulation. Um, another weakness um, is that in the book of Revelation, the chapters about the tribulation, uh, so, Quite a few, right after the letter to the churches from Jesus and towards to the end um, when Jesus comes back. Those chapters in between talking about the, the time of the great tribulation, there's no mention of the word church there. He's, it's mentioned in the beginning and the end, no mention. So a lot of people say, well see, the church isn't going to be there for any of that. So that's a weakness of the post-trib that, that you're asking about and saying that, that we will live through it. Okay, so Jamie, what do you think? I lean towards post-trib to be honest. Um, but I'm hoping for pre-trip, how's that? Uh, I'm not gonna be able to answer a question that scholars for through generations uh, haven't been able to answer. And so why isn't it so so clear? Because God wasn't interested in making it clear. God wants us to have hope, Christ will return, he will establish his kingdom. Whether or not, and he will gather us, he will save us. These are, these are facts, these are biblical truths. Um, if we live through the tribulation, he will protect us. It will be okay, if we don't, all the better, um, and he will save uh, some while they're here uh, during the tribulation. So, hey, I'll either see you here or in the air, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, second really good question. How should a parent determine when a child is mature enough to be baptized and to participate in communion? Should baptism precede participation in communion? Our, it's really two questions, which are Good question, I'm going to answer both. Our eight-year-old is a professing believer and we believe her faith is genuine. However, we are unsure about what le- level of maturity she should have before we allow her to participate in these sacraments. So, uh, first of all, we would not use the term sacrament, but I get what, what you're saying. We would use the term ordinance. You're not asking about the difference, so I won't go into it. Um, if someone wants to know, ask on ask, and I'll answer it. Uh, so, there's, there's no um, scriptural command as far as what age a person is to be baptized. And remember, we're talking about believer baptism, we're not talking about infant baptism, we believe that should, baptism by immersion should come after somebody has, uh, not their parents, not someone else, they have truly said, I have trusted Christ and am born again in Christ. So, the, the that could be really any age, right? But obviously the younger they are, the more you're not sure. Uh, So I get the question and I think it's a really good question. It's something that I think all Christian parents struggle with. I certainly did with my kids. You know, they certainly said they were Christians from the time that they could speak. But, you know, when is it really their faith? And that that is a definite struggle. Um, So I I would say that, that remember, the idea of looking for a certain level of maturity should be out of bounds. Baptism should come as soon after as you're sure you have trusted Christ because it identifies you with Christ. It doesn't identify with you as a mature Christian. So you shouldn't wait until you have a bunch of Bible knowledge or have been able to really grow in Christ to a certain point. Baptism is really more about the entry point into your faith, into your life of faith. Um, Now, with a child it's a little bit difficult, so I get that. So maybe when you say maturity, you mean fruit. And I, I would agree with that. So, uh, 8 years old, it's a little young, I would say, but not out of bounds if your uh, daughter, in this case, um, but whoever's watching this, son or daughter, uh, has can clearly communicate what the gospel is, shows that they, they truly believe it, and, and you see some type of fruit in their life. You know, they don't have to be the most mature Christian in the world, but that they, they really show a genuine desire to follow Jesus, even if it's at a pretty juvenile level at eight years old. Um, I, I, you know, what, the way we as a church would look at it is if the parents are Christian parents and they truly believe it's okay, we would usually have them speak with either myself or our children's director, Lauren, um, usually her, because kids are, more uh, comfortable with her, uh, and, and she can kind of draw it out and we can give our opinion and kind of work with parents on that. Now, to your other question about the Lord's Supper. Uh, yeah, I, it's certainly not a biblical command, so we don't tell people, this is like some churches might, that this has to be done this way, but if you uh, have not had a believer's baptism, which should signify your your faith in Christ, should you be taking the Lord's Supper? Probably not, right? If, if What's stopping you from getting baptized if you're ready to to identify with Christ in Lord's Supper. Is it just being in front of people, getting wet, right? Then that's not a good enough excuse to not get baptized. If it's questions about your faith, then you also shouldn't be receiving the Lord's Supper. So it's a really natural, good sequence. Baptism, Lord Lord's Supper. Baptism is a one-time thing, uh, Lord's Supper is ongoing. That's how it's meant to be. So, it you know, is that a hard and fast thing? No. Like, for instance, you want to be baptized, you've stated that, and we're going to probably baptize you in a couple of months. You can participate in the Lord's Supper, right? Because you've, you're only not been baptized because we haven't scheduled it yet, right? So I think, um, but as, as, as you um, are raising your kids, it's a really good rule, and I think a lot of our Christian families follow that, not all, uh, and just say, hey, when you're ready to be baptized, then you can participate in the Lord's Supper. Until then, I don't know if you're ready but i uh, be happy to, with any follow-up questions because it, that's a really, really good topic um, to explore. Okay, this one shouldn't take long, but it's a really really uh, interesting question. I attend a different church. The community group I am in is not a good fit for me. Although I have a few close friends in the group, I am not comfortable with a leader. I feel judged about my Bible knowledge or lack thereof. How can I change my group without offending anyone? Okay, so there's a couple things with this. And because I'm not aware fully of the situation, I have to try to explore it without knowing. Um, you say you're not comfortable with the leader, and that's not a good thing. If you're in a group, small group Bible study, and, and the leader, the one who's kind of leading things, overseeing that, and you're uncomfortable, that that's that's a difficult situation. I agree with. you. You define it, though, as you feel judged by your lack of Bible knowledge, and that could very well be true. I don't know. Maybe the leader has said something or poked fun at you or kind of, like hopped on something you said and really kind of made you feel that way? And that's that's not a good way to lead a group, I would agree. But is it possible that your feelings are just, there? There's something that you're misunderstanding? Feelings will betray us sometimes and I don't know. So here's what I would say. Deal with it as biblically as you can. Go to the leader, right, or call him or her and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Um, it's like, here's, like, and in whatever situations are making you feel that way, bring them up. See what your leader has to say. Uh, if you're really uncomfortable doing that, bring one of your friends that's in the group with you. You know, that's kind of what the Bible would say. Not to accuse them, but just to say, even if you end up leaving your group, the best thing Christians can do is get on the same page and express ourselves. Not with criticism or, or judgment necessarily. Just try to get on the same. I love you. I'm just feeling this way. What's going on? Um, now, If you don't get any resolution, you decide to leave the group, I would do it as honestly and with as much integrity as possible, but that sometimes means hard conversations. That would maybe say, hey, uh, to the the group, I just, uh, I'm not really feeling like this group is for me anymore. I'm not feeling greatly comfortable here. Uh, I'm going to look for a new opportunity. No, like I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not hurting you. I just this is how I feel. Just be straightforward and honest. Don't make excuses because they'll know anyway. And that tends to be uh, more long-term problems, right? Is they don't believe you. They don't think they can trust you. They think you're making up things uh, and, and, and lying about it. But if you're just honest and just say, I don't. I just don't really feel like. I'm going to grow in this group, not feeling comfortable in this group, then they may not like it in the the beginning, but I think in the long term, they'll have a lot more respect for you and your integrity. All right, that's it. We need your questions, so don't forget, submit them online, cornerstonebv.org, and hopefully we'll see you in church this weekend as we continue Leviticus. And uh, you can come 5 o'clock Saturday, it's always a great time, or 9 or 11 on Sunday. See you then.